You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to the Monster Sci-Fi Show podcast. I am your host, the monster. We are Venom. I got my own parasite. Parasite? Sorry, sorry, Venom. I, I meant symbiote. That's better. What do you do for fun around here? I want to do a podcast with you. What the hell is a podcast anyway? Well, it's a weekly show where I talk about the latest news in sci-fi, movies, and TV. You're such a nerd. Now I'm a loser on two planets. The Monster Sci-Fi Show podcast is part of the ESO Network. It's sci-fi from a certain point of view. Welcome again to the Monster Sci-Fi Show Podcast. I am your host, the Monster, back, finally, to give you this podcast that I was supposed to do last week or sometime last week, but got delayed. I actually had to have a couple of dentist appointments. Not fun. Not in the very least. It was really painful. So I had to kind of put things on hold. So when I thought, oh, I'm in the clear, I'll, I'll do this last weekend, I didn't have time. And it just led into my second doctor's appointment. I'm like, I, I can't talk any further. So I'm like, fine, tonight, tonight is the night I'm going to do this. One way or another. Dead or alive, you're listening to my podcast. Alright, so the big three topics I'm going to be talking about is Stadia. You know what Stadia is? Well, if you have it for more than four hours, you should see a doctor about that. So Stadia basically is a new Google service that they're getting into the gaming business now. So I am really interested to talk about that because there is some aspects about that that kind of fits with what I'm going through right now, and I'll go into details about that. Next, I'm going to be talking about another update on Dune, because I'm really excited about what it's all happening with Dune. Lastly, I'll be talking about sliders. If you don't know what sliders is, it used to be a cool TV show until it went too long, and then it went to the Sci-Fi Channel, and it went on even longer, and it just didn't go anywhere. But it wants to come back. So why, Sliders, do you want to come back? That's the question I'm going to be asking. Again, just me, not one else. <laughs> All right, so the order of the way I wanted to release this podcast was that I was going to record this and then Captain Marvel. Well... Since I couldn't talk, I did some editing with the Captain Marvel stuff, and I released that already. So there is information about there about Brie Larson. And I wanted to kind of give you a little bit more history about what Jim and I were talking about in regards to Brie Larson. So the idea was, back in 2017, when Trump got inaugurated, there was a women's march that came out the week after so that Women's March, I made a quick little meme of Captain Marvel with the word resist 
right across um, and, and flying through space. So Brie Larson liked it that night and it blew me away. So that was, you know, way back when. But, you know, getting ready for the Captain Marvel, I was looking up information about Brie Larson. Not that I was stalking much, but I came across that someone had liked that tweet a couple of years ago. And then I looked at the tweet again, and the tweet didn't come from Twitter, but it came from Brie Larson's Instagram feed. So I'm like, that's my picture. So I went through... Again, not stalking Brie Larson, but I went through all her entire feed and it turned out about a couple months after I did that original one, it wound up being in her Instagram feed. I'm like, I can't believe that. I'm ecstatic that the fact that, you know, it's hard enough that no one listens to this podcast, let alone someone actually liking anything that I'm putting out. It just turned out to be, like, the most amazing thing to find out, unfortunately, years later. But I'm happy as can be the fact that Brie Larson got to like my stuff and liked it enough to put it on her Instagram feed. So I'm really ecstatic about that. So, you know, if you haven't listened to Captain Marvel, my podcast with Mr. Gene, you'll hear our review of it. And kind of like, you know, how I was kind of like gung-ho for Brie Larson as Captain Marvel. And as well as we all should be. So, but I wanted to kind of talk about that before the, the podcast came out. Because at least you have some information. But nonetheless, I'm still happy the fact that I had that information. More so about the Captain Marvel movie. And again, listen to the podcast after you're done with this about my review of Captain Marvel. Alright, so before I end the podcast, at least for this segment, a couple of quick tidbits. We have the Star Wars Celebration coming out on uh, April 11th through the 15th, so that's going to be next month. Uh, Elizabeth Moss, there's kind of been some rumors going around. Possibly she's in negotiations to talk about or to to actually do um, The Invisible Man and call her... The Invisible Woman, The Invisible Person, I don't know what you want to call it, but hey, I'm on board with Elizabeth Moss. She cannot do any wrong right now. The other tidbit news, Disney and Fox finally sealed the deal. It is now official that Disney now owns Fox. What does that mean? I don't know. I still don't know what's going to happen. Are we going to get a Fantastic Four movie? Are we going to finally get X-Men movies crossing over with the Avengers or whatever? I don't know. We'll see what happens. But its deal is done. So that's the major hurdle is that it's done. And after Spider-Man Homecoming, there's going to be kind of like a little bit of a lull because we don't have anything coming out but i'll talk about that in the next podcast because again this is much later than i should know uh farscape i've been meaning to go back into farscape because i never did finish a couple of seasons because somewhere in the middle i just like "Ah, forget this farscape was one of those shows that was done by jim henson i'm sorry was it jim henson i think it was brian henson his production company produced farscape 
because uh, a lot of it also was had some puppetry, like Rigel, love Rigel, uh, and uh, Pilot. So it's coming to Amazon Prime. So if you don't have Amazon Prime, well, don't blame me. But it is coming back. So I do need to finish up. I think after Aaron, du sorry, spoilers, ish. Uh, somewhere in season two, Aaron's son dies, and I'm like, I got really heartbroken over this, and I'm like, I never kind of went back on a regular basis to finish up that season, or season three, or four, or whatever it was. I did wind up going back to the, the Peacekeeper Wars at the very end, kind of like it wrapped up everything, but I'm like, so much had happened, <laughs> has happened in between, I'm like, I really need to finish this series just to kind of finish it things up and just kind of tidy up so we'll see what what goes on with that um vin diesel looks like he's going full head on valiant's um bloodshot so basically if you don't know who this hero is is that basically he is um i i, I think he's an ex-military guy that is injected with nanotechnology so his body can keep repairing itself through whatever it is that he's doing. And I think he's able to create weapons too. Don't quote me if I'm off. But it, it looks kind of interesting. And trust me, after um, Fast and the Furious, what does Vin Diesel have? Groot? You don't have that. Uh, Riddick? You can forget the third one. That was just pure garbage. Love the second one. I don't know what he went back to this whole. And then, of course, the Fast and the Furious franchise. It looks like Dwayne The Rock Johnson is like, you know, we'll take over. You can set this, set this one out, Vin. So, I think it might be a good thing for him to have another franchise to kind of work with. But we'll see how it goes. So, um, as I said, I will now take a quick break. And then I will be coming back to talk about Stadia. Do you enjoy TV shows, movies, video games, comics, or novels? Do you enjoy listening to people discuss geeky topics without getting bent out of shape when they disagree? If you do, then the 42 Cast is right for you. We're a podcast with a rotating cast of guests that discusses a new topic every week. You can find us on Stitcher Radio, iTunes, Google Play, or 42cast.com. You can also support us and the entire ESO network by going to patreon.com slash ESO network. That's the 42 cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. All right, so Stadia, huh? Do you like that name? Stadia? I don't know what that means, but Google does. All right, so to give my personal background about why this is appealing to me right now my xbox one is dead it could be a power supply issue it could be a console issue which one do i want to pay to get fixed so power supply you know i can just find someone who acts an actual power supply and try using my Xbox One and see if it works. And if it does, huzzah. Otherwise, Microsoft wants to charge me $150 to service my Xbox. And I'm like, for $50 more, I can buy a brand new Xbox One. 
You know, there, there's no point for me to do this. It's not as if it was like the, the red rings of death back in with the Xbox 360. The product has been well worn. And it's, you know, it's lasted me a couple of good years, so I'm not complaining. But I'm not going to invest any more money into a, a, a repairing something that I know that's going to be, well, already is outdated. But I'm not going to pay for repairing it. Now, two, since my son is the one that uses it on the weekends, and sometimes me, I can use it when he's not home, like when he's at school or whenever. Um, but the other option, too, that I kind of like, and this is kind of a thing against Stadia, is that because Xbox One also is my entertainment center, you know, I can rec watch my DVDs. I can go ahead and stream stuff like Hulu and Netflix or my Voodoo account, which I have my digital movies also there too. So it does a lot of cool things. And the new Xbox is purported um, as going discless. So it's a console, no opening. But why? <laughs> because it kind of self-defeats the whole idea of the physical disc. Now, I will say that I find it really frustrating that if I want to play different games one after another, I don't want to get up and like say, in order for you to play this, even though I know you own it, you got to put in your legacy disc. I'm like, no, stop that because that's really frustrating because the whole idea is that everything was already in there. If I have it on my hard drive, I should be able to access it without having to use the disc, but I'm that's a whole other issue. Okay, so the other side is that my daughter has now a Nintendo Switch. I love the idea of the Switch being portable. You can take off the two ends to make it a, a portable joysticks that you can both play. You can hook it up to your TV or that matter to any TV through an HDMI cable and a dock. Or you can play on the console itself. That's fantastic. So, when I look at what Stadia is offering, it eliminates the need for a console altogether. Their idea is that we're going to be able to stream games to your devices. Because I'm stuck watching, you know, my old crappy TV where I want to watch the nice big TV in the living room, but my son's on there. So I can't really say kick him off there and let him continue playing someplace else. It's just on that one TV. What's Stadia is that as long as you have a device that supports Google, uh, like iOS. So if you have Chrome on your iPhone, or if you have that on your tablet, you can go ahead and play that. You can play on a different TV through an uh, an HD uh, Chromecast, which I do have a Chromecast, but not the HD version. That's fantastic, because I have two TVs that already have that, so that solves that problem. Uh, the only negative thing... Oh, laptops. I have a laptop that's crappy, and I try to stream my three 
a couple games to my laptop from my Xbox and then quality is poor. The, 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 there's such a lag in between. I'm like, this sucks. But with the Stadia, you're able to go ahead and use pretty much any crappy laptop or PC without having to worry about the fact that your hardware is not going to be up to specs because it's all on Google's side to go ahead and send this information out to you. All right, so now here's the downside to all this. PlayStation has an online service, but then you need to have like a five megabit per second uh, stream. You know, uh, that's understandable. If what Google is asking is to do 25 megabits per second, and yes, I have a higher end internet service, but if you're planning to do that, if you plan to watch Netflix, or you have other devices hooked up, I don't care how strong your service is, it's going to eventually going to be laggy. And that's going to be a problem. I like the concept of playing on any device that I own without having to change much in the way of hardware, because that's the flexibility that I would love to have. But if you're at a, a data cap, you're going to burn right through that, especially at that rate. And even at home, never that I'm, I'm worried like, oh, I'm being overcharged because we went over our data cap, you know, at home with internet service. That's not an issue. But if we're streaming everything now, both games and movies and TV and phone service, that's going to be a problem. The other side, there are going to be kids or those who want to play who like, and I see this in my own library, they don't have either the console or internet or both. So they come to the library to play. And sometimes that's the only access they have to actually have Wi-Fi is to play at the library. Now, if you're the kid that says, I want to get Stadia, well, I'll just go to the library. Well, that could work, but imagine all those kids on their devices, plus the regular patrons that come to the library who also depend on Wi-Fi, that also is going to be a problem down the road. Uh, it's a good idea. The problem lies is going to be with the cost. How much of this is going to cost us as consumers? Do we own the games, even though it's digital? And Lori on Facebook mentioned, like, and I agree with her, I like having physical disc because I own it. But it, it, it's going to be a hard sell if you don't have broadband. And it's hard enough when you have a digital divide, especially when I'm working in a library where you have a lot of people are dependent on having internet service and they use the library for that. And I'm not saying that gaming services is a must, but you want to reach that demographic, 
that's going to be pushing those kids even farther away from achieving or being part of that conversation. So there's a lot of things that it needs to be discussed ahead of time, and hopefully they will figure things out. But for the most part, you know, except for maybe the iPhone, not that phone, their, Google, their Pixel phone, I'm happy with a lot of Google products, even their services. So I'm sure that that will be something that I'll be very interested in doing, but we'll see when the time comes and talk about that when it does show up. All right, so taking a quick break here, and then when I come back, I'll be talking about Dune and a couple, and another cool thing that happened to me on the internet about Dune. Did you know the ESO Network has a brand new Patreon? That's right. We're asking for your help, and you could do it for as little as a dollar a month. Don't fret. All your favorite shows will still be available for free as always. But you can get exclusive podcasts and more not heard anywhere else but on our Patreon. To sign up for the ESO Network, Patreon's easy. All you have to do is go to ESOPodcast.com and click on the link. With your support of the ESO Network, it's you who will reap the rewards. All right, so coming up to Dune. Just like Brie Larson, I got a really good tweet that someone liked about Dune. As you know, I work for the library, and one of the cool benefits of working for the library is that people donate their books. Every once in a while, you get a big surprise, like I did, in which Pretty much the entire set of all the Dune books. Not just with Frank Herbert, but the one that Brian, his son, and Kevin J. Anderson had wrote. Based on Frank Herbert's notes. So, I've only read, I think, up to the third one. I think that's the God Emperor of Dune, if I'm not mistaken. And when all the sequels and interquills like books in between those books original books and prequels and more sequels i mean that universe just exploded beyond belief but i got all the books and i was able to add them all to my collection at the library so i took a picture of all the books stacked and i sent it and i tagged brian herbert and Kevin J. Anderson. Well, I got a... Uh, Brian Herbert liked it. And that was some time ago, like... I don't know, October 2018, something like that. Um, so I was really happy about that. I didn't think much of it. Other than, hey! Through all the noise, someone saw a post that I did and liked it. And not that long ago, right before I took the break, there was another tweet... And my picture was being used. So Brian had talked about how Dune was like the second highest um, sci-fi book of all times. And then he credited me to, and used the picture that I sent him. So I got all these kind of retweets and likes and all. It was just blowing up my Twitter feed. Not that it, you know, it it's magically, you know, like I'm like, Millions of people, please. I should be so lucky. Um, but it was just nice to have that kind of like, 
Well, they're talking to Brian, but they're still putting me in part of the reply to all. I'm being part of this conversation. So that's kind of cool. I'm actually kind of cool with that. So now I have even a more connection to Dune than initially. And, you know, Dune was uh, a movie that was recommended to me from a friend who passed away uh, growing up. And, you know, his initial reaction was that this is a movie. I hated this movie, but you're going to love this movie. This is your kind of movie. And he was right. Dune was that kind of movie. It took me a while to not only get into Dune, but then try my hand about reading the first Dune book. Now, as I mentioned before, Dune is probably one of the few books, and this is coming from a librarian, that has read more than once. Dune is that book. It is so fantastic. It is so dense. It is so challenging. If you don't know what the hell is going on. The fact there is a glossary at the end of the book. That in itself should be a call to say. No, you really need to kind of like. Be intimidated a bit because it is a, a dense and, and it's a fantastic book, but wow. To be at this point in my life that we're going to get, you know, now another retelling of Dune. And I'm kind of connected through this one tweet with a picture that I sent him, the son of the original man that wrote the, the Dune series. So the fact that, you know, the movies already started production. Hans Zimmer, who is one of my favorite composers, is doing the score. Now, granted, Toto, <laughs> that did the original score with David Lynch, I still love that damn score. I mean, it's very... Um, it's like on the level of listening to Flash Gordon done by Queen. It's very rock and rollish. But it has a certain charm and a certain appeal to me that I'm like, I can listen to this forever, you know. Um, so aside from that, I mean, the cast alone, If uh, I've talked about this before, like Oscar, or Oscar Isaac is going to be playing Duke Leto, Atreides. Uh, Josh Brolin is, is going to be Gurney uh, Halleck. And then Jason Momoa, <laughs> Aquaman, is going to be playing Duncan Idaho. So, I mean, it just astounds me the, the amount of talent that's going to be attached to this. I mean, it's it's incredible. It really is. Um, and there, there was a cool documentary, if you've never seen this. Um, back in the 70s, there was um, a director, and his name is Alejandro. And I can never pronounce his name, but I'm going to probably muck it up anyway. Jodorowsky, Jodorowsky, he tried to do Dune back in the 70s, right? He wanted Salvador Dali to play the Emperor. The Emperor of the Known Galaxy. He also then wanted to have Mick Jagger, and I think if I'm not remembering, he wanted Mick Jagger to play Fate. So, 
if we're going to kind of go through this trend of rock stars playing that one character, I don't know who I would want to see in that role of Faye. And I know that uh, the Sci-Fi Channel did a fantastic version of it, um, breaking up that first book into three movies. And you do need to do that. I don't know if they're going to do that in this movie. We'll see how it goes. But I don't mind, unlike to say, like like The Hobbit, which Peter Jackson did three movies from a short book, and of course added a whole bunch of stuff. That I'm like, dude, it's no Lord of the Rings. Let's give it a break, you know. Shorten it by one movie at least, two, and then still kind of tweak it and and put a couple of filler stuff here. But my God, did it go on forever? Dune, on the other hand, you have a lot of material that you can actually not worry about fleshing out because it's all there. It's just a matter of how you're going to tell that story and not lose an audience. That's the scary part. Um, but if you ever get a chance to see that Dune documentary, oh my God, it is fantastic. It is absolutely fantastic. Um, and of course... The Sci-Fi Channel had a four-hour version of the David Lynch series uh, in which uh, there's a different opening altogether. So there is no um, princess doing the opening, but it's a different narration that gives you kind of like an overview of how Dune came to be. <clears throat> now, a lot of it is going to have to deal with uh, conceptual art that was put in that it's rough sketches, but it still gives you a whole idea of what that universe is like. And I think it runs about a good 10, 15 minutes just on that opening alone. So for a four-hour movie, because, you know, figuring out all the commercials, it extends a lot more better scenes. So it, it, it not only flow better, but it gives you a lot more information if you've never seen it. So I highly recommend watch the Dune movie. The original with David Lynch. Watch the four-hour version. Watch the Sci-Fi Channel's miniseries. And then try to read the book. Because then you understand and can appreciate what David Lynch tried. Really tried to bring to the screen in one movie. Because back then, you know, it was too much to do, you know, multiple ones. No one ever thought about that. But, you know, if I'm not mistaken... He turned on Return of the Jedi to do this. So, go figure. But in any case, I'm happy that Dune is filing in production. And uh, we'll see it soon. Before we know it. So, on that note, I'm going to take another break and come back with Sliders. This week on Myopia Defend Your Childhood. Myopia Defend Your Childhood is so named because I believe we are short-sighted on the things we watched as kids. So every week we watch a movie that one of the panelists grew up watching and see if they hold up from comedy to cartoons or to action. And for this season, the last Thursday of each month, we're doing a TV show in our Myopia Mornings segments. We watch Saturday morning cartoons and afternoon classics. So find us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. How will you stand when we put your past on trial? My Ophie Defender Childhood is a member of the ESO Network and produced by Dude Letter Podcasting. All right, so we're in the home stretch for sliders. 
All right, I'm going to stop with that crap. So, if you're as old as I am, or remember the series Sliders back in 1980, sorry, 1995, 80s on the brain, it lasted for a good five seasons. Now, was this a cool premise? You better believe it was. I really liked the idea about having parallel worlds sliding in and out of different uh, realities that are slightly changed to be like in one scene um, or uh, one of the guys, the Jerry McConnell character, is, uh, I'm blanking out on his name, as Quinn Mallory, um, slid into one earth and he was at a stoplight. But it was green. He thought he could go. But on that world, green meant stop. And red means go. So, think of it about that kind of premise where you can do pretty much anything. Keep it grounded on Earth, so to speak. And just kind of tweak it a bit here and there. It's fantastic. It's electric. Boogie-woogie-woogie. But that's why I love that series. Two, it happened to be on Fox. So, you know, Fox already had, you know, things about sci-fi. And I, if I'm not mistaken, they did put it on a Friday night on top of all that. Okay. So we had uh, Quinn Mallory was played by Jerry O'Connell. We had Wade Wells by Sabrina Lloyd, who we like. <laughs> Rembrandt. Crime Man Brown, Cleveland Derricks, and Professor Maximilian Arturo, played by John Rice Davies. So if you know him from Indiana Jones, Belloc, Belloc, I was surprised that they got him to do a TV series because he was mainly a movie guy. And I'm like, how is this possible? You know, the fact that we got him to do... TV, not that I thought it was beneath him, but like, and of course, a little of a, of a spoiler here. Uh, midway through the third season, they killed off his character, and I'm like, but you can bring him back, right? That's the whole idea. You're not supposed to kill your main heroes. Apparently, you can kill off your main hero. Now, the idea I I would have played with is like, okay. Like to do on the Flash, um, you can have your doppelganger be similar to you, but be a little different. So they could have picked up another professor along the way, let him play a different version of himself, kind of keep things fresh and, and keep going with that. And that's cool. But that never happened. So it kind of makes me scratch my head. Because I don't have hair. So it's much easier to scratch. Why do you want to go back to a show that started off great? One up on the sci-fi channel. And kind of lost its way in the process. Well, according to uh, this article, Jerry O'Connell is bugging Rice Davies saying, you know, let's try to get it back together, get the band back together again, so to speak. And I'm like, really? Do we want to go ahead and do this? 
Uh, okay. Uh, I'm kind of... We'll see how it goes. And the thing is, I think the initial three seasons on Fox were probably one of the better storytellings to begin with. Because you had the three core characters. Now, you introduce the Cro-Max, or the Cro-Magnet, the, the, the less evolved humans being the baddies that were able to also go to different worlds. Um, they became part of the storyline in which they captured Wade Wells, and they subjugated her to, like, propagate with them. Of course, we never saw this, but when she was brought off the series, that's what happened to that character. I'm like, God, that's messed up. So they brought in Captain Maggie Beckett by Carrie Wurrer. Wurrer, I don't know how to pronounce her name. Um, so she kind of carried that. And then Arturo's gone. Wade is gone. And then they brought in Jerry O'Connell's brother, Charlie, I think. And the two of them became part of this new foursome. And I think by the fifth season, I, again, didn't see much of the fifth because I just got tired of it. But they had combined both personalities <laughs> into one person. So this one person was able to access information about their personalities. I'm like, you really are... Ugh, forget it. It's beyond pathetic that this is how you're going to explain... These two great characters, they just merge into one and then into someone else. I'm like, oh my god, forget it. I'm so done with this show. Considering how well it was well received. Now, Tracy Torme, who is the son of Mel Torme, had written for Star Trek. So, in the first season. So, um... If I'm not mistaken, he did the Long Goodbye episode, which is the first introduction. Well, not first introduction, but the first introduction for Picard, I should say, on the holodeck. In which he plays his character, I'm blanking out on his name, but his nemesis was Cyrus Redblock. And I liked it a lot. It's one of the really cool episodes from the first season, despite it being a first season run of Star Trek The Next Generation. So, do I want to see a revival of Sliders? I did say I was going to stop, but I can't. Um, the premise is really, really good. And, like I said, if you can, to, let's say, change things up and, let's say, kill off that character, but come up with a different version of that character and let them play with that different version, it'll keep things light and fresh, or... Kind of like, you know, let's kind of lean into that concept of sliding into different realities and, and come up with really, really fantastic stories. I don't see why not. I'm just thinking, is there going to be a, a group that's going to be out there really wanting to have sliders? And I only bring it up because I really love the hell out of that show. And it's a shame that... It fell by the wayside and it kind of lingered much too long for its own good. Even if it got picked up on a sci-fi channel. So, 
we'll see what happens and I'll keep you posted. But, you know, those are my memories and, and there are some good ones about sliders. If you ever get a chance, just remember, if Arturo was part of a group, that's the good seasons and that's the good episodes to be watching. Anything that he's not in it, yeah, skip it. Just do that. All right. So finally, I'm done with this podcast, though I do have to edit and put this all together, which is going to be another day or so. But I have the weekend. But in any case, I will have another podcast recorded, hopefully, as soon as I'm done editing this, and I'll have it sent out to you so I can at least be up to date. So, like I said, I do have a Captain Marvel movie review with Mr. Gene and I. Did get to see Shazam early, two weeks early, so I do have a non-spoiler review. So if you want to hear my opinion, trust me, it's really good uh, as far as what I try to say. But listen to that as well. Alright, so on that note, that's it, folks. I am done for this podcast, so thank you again for listening to the Monster Sci-Fi Show podcast. It's sci-fi from a certain point of view. Good night. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the TeePublic store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.